as Sinatra says, <laughs> when you think of one, you think of the other. That's the whole point of the song. When you think of love, you think of marriage. That's his point. Just like a horse and carriage. Obviously, not the first thing that comes to mind, but it happened to rhyme with the song. Uh, <laughs> Paul in this passage that we have been looking at over the last uh, few weeks, is actually one of his main things. He's talking about unity in the church. He's talking about one body. He's talking about we need to be one. We need to not have any kind of fragmentation and breakup. We need to have a oneness, just as there is a one spirit, and he links these two very strongly, just as there is you have each of you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been birthed by the Spirit of God in you, just as there is one Spirit and one Spirit only. And each one of us has had exactly the same experience of God impacting and changing our lives. So with this one Spirit, we have one body. And he links these things like... <clears throat> A horse and carriage. <laughs> he links these things together uh, and says, because there's one, therefore there's another. Because there is just one spirit that we've all been impacted with, so there is one body. And that's his main thrust here. He's linking these two together. Um, there is no other way in to becoming a Christian than to have this miraculous change that God's Spirit does on us. And I want to emphasize this morning the miraculous element of that, the, the, the God element, the part that's not about just about me doing anything to that, but actually there is a sovereign supernatural element of God's Spirit changing our lives. Without that, there, we cannot have unity in the body of Christ. So let's read it. Starting, uh, we're in Ephesians 4, verse 1 through to 6. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's remember when Jesus encountered that Pharisee, Nicodemus, Nicodemus decided to come along at a evening time because he was a little bit worried about being seen hobnobbing with this <laughs> this reactionary and um, he's asking Jesus about the kingdom and Jesus tells him he needs to be born again to see the kingdom of God how, says Nicodemus, can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So, is, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is emphasizing the fact that we need to be born of the Spirit. This is a vital Christian teaching. Anyone who wants to enter God's kingdom, know Christ, must be born again. Something happens as a work of God by his spirit. We can keep all his commands. We can come to every single service that Kings is running, morning, evening, and West Lothian. (laughs) You could give 50% of your income (laughs) every month uh, to the church. You could invite people round to your home every Saturday for a meal. But unless God sovereignly births something in you by his spirit, then you will always be looking from the outside in. To actually be in, you need to be born again. To be in, you need to have this birth that happens from God's spirit. And everybody who's in the kingdom of God has had this experience. It's an experience. There is a supernatural element to salvation. And we mustn't forget that. When we're talking to people, when we're trying to share our faith, there is a supernatural element that we're believing for. God's spirit has to touch their heart. God's spirit has to do some radical transformation. It's a creative act of God. Just as God creates and creates heaven and earth and creates as we read in Genesis 1 and 2. So there is a creative act in every Christian's heart that creates, brings his spirit and creates in our hearts. It's a creative act. I can remember the day back quite a lot of years ago um, in my late teens, in a flat on my own, calling out to God that if he was real, to come and help me. Someone kept popping in, chatting to me about what Christ had done in their life. And then on my own, I decided to take the step, feeling somewhat foolish, as one does, talking out loud to God, who I wasn't sure was there, but on this occasion, had enough faith to actually call out to him, taking it that actually what this guy said to me could be true for me too. And immediately, as I asked God, help me, immediately I sensed his presence, like a calming peace on my life. Suddenly, I was aware of God reassuring me at that moment in time. 
that everything was all right. I'm going to take care of the rest of your life, Matthew. I don't, you don't need to fret. You don't need to worry about what's going to happen and what about this and what about that. I've got it sorted. Instantly. I was aware of how small I felt. And I don't mean five foot eight. <laughs> I was suddenly aware of the hugeness of God compared to me. My perspective suddenly instantly changed. Although, so it changed about God and it changed about me. So I, I felt weirdly less powerful, less significant. Suddenly I was aware, oh my goodness, I'm just this little, <laughs> I'm really quite insignificant. Whereas before, you're kind of boosting yourself up all the time, but you really are, I'm, I'm a really important person. <laughs> you know, and suddenly you're like, actually I'm not. <laughs> but God is. And, and, and the amazing thing is you feel this sudden amazing reassurance. I'm not threatened. I'm not threatened because of that, because actually I know that he's on my side, that he loves me. And he's joined himself to me. I felt safe and secure. I felt like nothing can harm me. And this following day, I started to want to find out all about Christ and his Bible. I began to want to fulfill his purposes in my life instead of living my life for myself, to fill my own sort of bucket list of agendas. I wanted to do, what, is, what are you saying I should be doing in my life? This is now your life, not my life anymore. This is now your life. You're saying, no, no, it's now, I've given it over to you. <clears throat> and you've now birthed something in me. It's a, there was a radical change. It was an instant change of my ambitions, my desires, my purpose of life. All because, actually, I was touched by the Spirit of God that came into my life. As has happened to every one of you, too. Okay, I'm just telling my story. Um... God had birthed something. Just as Jesus says, spirit has to give birth to spirit. So actually, it is God's spirit. It needs God's spirit to give birth to this, this new life. It takes God's spirit to give birth to spirit. That's what he was saying to Nicodemus. Anne and I have had six kids. Let's just say flesh gave birth to flesh. Okay. One day, Anne wasn't pregnant, and the next day, she was. As someone said to me, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Either you are, or you're not. <laughs> uh, we all understand the birds and the beasts. Even Nicodemus, the Pharisees, understood how someone gets to be born the first time. What he was less clear about was how that happens the second time. How you were born again. How you have a second time. How there's a, a point that actually there's flesh that's born, but actually there also needs to be spirit. You need a new spirit in your life. You need to be alive suddenly to God. Before I was dead, now I'm alive. And God has to do that. That is a work of God on our hearts Paul says, it was one spirit. We know that actually 
We're just talking about the one. Why is it one, one spirit? Well, we know that um, in terms of there's one spirit. It's the same spirit that actually if you were living in Africa or China, it's the same spirit that is going to birth you into Christ. It's not a different spirit, kind of a special Chinese version. It's the same Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that actually births us. Yeah, no matter whether it was your great-great-granny that came to faith, the same spirit, right? Throughout time, so the same spirit. Interestingly, as we read, that actually in terms of the demonic, we see lots of different spirits. So we pick it up in Ephesians 6, and it talks about rulers and authorities and powers of darkness and forces of evil. There's a sense of a multitude of different evil spirits at work, all kind of doing different their damage. Um, even if there's a kind of somewhat of a government by Satan, we don't totally understand how that all works. But we do know there's a kind of sense they're all sort of working in their own thing. This is not one, it's actually all, lots of them. Jesus is casting out um, a spirit uh, in Mark 5, and he speaks to this man, and he says, and he's speaking really to the, the demons. And he says, What's your name? And he says, My name's Legion, because we are many. Because we are many. So there's a kind of sense of the demonic, there's lots and lots and lots. God, one Holy Spirit. Paul is emphasizing this point because there's one spirit. Let's demonstrate this oneness in the body of Christ. Don't let schisms creep in. And I want to look at this morning five things that the Holy Spirit kind of does in us. Okay, Uh, And we're going to look at these five things that actually, and these just remembering going back again, I want you to kind of remember the song in your head. So, you know, there's this, there's this linking that keeps bringing it back. You know, why is Paul talking about this? Because he's wanting one body. Firstly, there is a conviction of sin and an awareness of God's holiness. Just as I described in my own personal encounter for the first time, I felt humbled. Previously, I saw the world that I lived in kind of revolving around me, kind of about what I could get out of it. Uh, People were sort of commodities on on a sort of supermarket shelf that I chose to kind of add or not add to my basket. But when God birthed something in me, I immediately saw everything in a different light. Philippians 3 says, whatever were gains, Paul says to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He, he, he saw suddenly his, there was a reevaluation, okay? There was a reevaluation, things that he thought, oh, these are really important things. You know, these are really key things in my life. Suddenly, he thought, key things. Rubbish. <clears throat> What's important is this. These are the things I know now, a complete. Reevaluation. Suddenly, things that we thought we put value in, suddenly we go, they're worthless. Why, why am I bothering? Why do I want to give my time to that, my money to that? My, you know, what am I doing? He 
God reordered my priorities. He revalued my perceived gains. I suddenly realized what it was that really mattered. And my own sin was kind of, I've been blind before. Suddenly I was very aware. So suddenly this, this is this, what the conviction of sin does. Suddenly you suddenly realize you've been a bit like the emperor with his new clothes that actually everybody else can kind of see, but actually you can't see. Suddenly you realize that you're naked. Suddenly you realize that my sin that was kind of hidden from my eyes, I suddenly realized the damage and the failures and the effect that it's actually had on a lot of other people. Suddenly you're like, oh my goodness. You're suddenly aware of that. And you're like, ah, gosh. And then you, you, you suddenly think, oh my goodness, and that, and I did that. And, I, and you kind of go back and you're thinking things that you hadn't ever thought you felt fine about before. Then you kind of go back and you're thinking, oh my goodness, look at the effect that I had. Look what I damage I did to that person in that kind of way. What was I playing at? That's what the conviction of sin, that's one of the things the Spirit does uh, when we have that at birth. There is no unity if we are just parading around, sort of glorying, boasting in our own glories, comparing ourselves to one another, scoring points off one another, being puffed up in pride in our own self-importance. Okay, if there's those things in the body, then there won't be unity. When there's a humility and there's a sense of, oh my gosh, I am a sinner saved, but by the grace of God, then there's a unity. Do you hear that? And you, oh, look at what they've done. Yeah, well, you need to know what I've done. You need to have a healthy sense of, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that did that. I, and yeah, no, it's bad but you don't know the half of what I've done. And that just helps us to have that kind of humility that A, forgives quickly, and just kind of is in a place where, yeah, yeah, it might be bad, but I'm bad. (laughs) I'm bad, and God chose me, and God chose to put his spirit in me, even though I had all those things in my heart. And it helps us. It helps the unity in the body. You see what I'm saying? Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.16, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This is Paul who did amazing things, wrote kind of half the New Testament, but actually I am the worst. There was a sense in Paul that he was well aware of his own utter wretchedness I am the worst there's a healthy sense of that we have this in common we are birthed by the same one spirit we all have this conviction of sin we all are equally aware of the one who is all important Christ and ourselves who are not unity can thrive in this environment as we're joined together with this common thread immersed in this common truth, Jesus alone as being the one that is completely perfect and the only one that deserves to be lifted up. Secondly, the second thing that the Spirit does in our lives is he produces 
a regeneration in us. I say he, remember, sometimes we can end up calling the Holy Spirit it, okay? Not it, he, person, he. He produces a regeneration in us. This quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones I think is really helpful. When we are made Christians, the Holy Spirit doesn't merely improve us a little. He not only gets rid of a few spots and stains here and there. He does much more than just trim us a little, as it were, to put a new coat of paint, a little bit of varnish on us. No! So typically, my only chance. No! <clears throat> we have to be remade from the very foundation. We're not identical in every single detail, but we are all partakers together of the divine nature of this same essential life, the, the same blood coursing through our arteries and veins. That is the basis of Christian unity. I love it. The same blood coursing through our veins. We don't have just a few adjustments to make, see things slightly differently, start to make a few resolutions, maybe write to my granny more, attend church a little bit more, maybe put a bit more cash in the, in, in the collection, maybe be a bit more religious. That's not what it is to be a Christian. No, that's not going to be good enough. No, we have to have an encounter with Christ. We have to put our full trust in him. He, he, he produces in us a completely new spirit. He produces it. So important that actually it's not a kind of a, you know, a self-help. It's not a self-help. The Bible is not a self-help book. It's not about how you can be actually better and more godly. It's not really about that at all. It's about God impacting and coming and impacting his people and impacting us. It's about him and his work. Ephesians 2.1 For you who were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world. We were dead. We were dead. We had no understanding. We couldn't see God. We couldn't see any of it. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. He had to, a dead person can't do a darn thing. We're dead. God's spirit comes and he brings life. He brings life. We have spirit. So we suddenly are aware. Suddenly we're seeing it. Suddenly we can see God and his majesty. Thirdly, incorporating us into his body. Now this... As you see here, my wonderful roses. You've got to realize it's something that I love. Okay, I will lift it up so you can see. <clears throat> One of the things I love is growing roses. Okay, any, any other rose grows here? I don't suppose so, but it's, let's just have a look. See anybody? Okay, yes. Okay, 
Uh, these have a wonderful perfume, got to say. And you can see the picture of the rose tree, which is just out now, and it's full bloom, just outside my back door. And you can see it's called Madame Alfred Carrier. Okay, it is a great rose for growing. It's an old English rose, and it's particularly good for growing up uh, north facing walls, which most roses don't really work on because there's not enough sun on it. But this rose actually is fine. So it's actually quite a, it's, 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 it's a great rose for that. And you can see just, it's got just tons of blooms on it. I mean, like hundreds of blooms on it at the moment. It's wonderful. But it's all just, it's just one rose. It's not several roses there. There's probably hundreds of blooms, but there's just one stem. You know, I planted it. It was just one stem. And you see what you're getting out of it. I mean, very good value rose, you know. <laughs> I tell you, they hardly need it. I just want to sell roses here. They, they hardly need any looking after. They just kind of like, they look after themselves just year after year. It just comes back. I, I don't have to do anything. You know, and there it is. You just have to plant the thing and that's it. Make sure you've got a, you know, a bit of fertilizer. And boom, you've got all this, all this thing. All for, you know, a few quid. Um, <clears throat> so why am I talking about roses? Well, as you can see, there's a kind of commonality. There's a kind of commonality, this rose. Now, you might look at them and thinking, yeah, well, they're all the same, Matthew. No, 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 they're not. They're not all the same. Each rose is different. Just slightly different, but it's different. Okay? But it has a commonality about it that we know this is... if I show this to a rose grower, they go, hmm, that's Madame Alfred Carrier. They, they would know. <clears throat> they would know. Give a sniff. They'd actually have a look. They'd think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know where that is. Uh, somebody comes up and, <clears throat> as it were, gives you a sniff. <clears throat> and they go, hmm, so look. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian as well. And you. Oh, this has happened to you as well, hasn't it? God's birthed this in your life too. How can you tell? Well, just like I can tell. Because actually you see the same thing that's actually happening. God's spirit at work. Actually producing. But actually each bloom is different. It's got a commonality, but it's different. God places this into one body at the precise moment that the Spirit of God comes into our life when we uh, accept Christ. He, we immediately have full membership into the body, the universal body of Christ. Yeah? At that moment, we are part of this universal body of Christ, this body of Christ, this body that actually God's been working with back in the Old Testament, with his people who were kind of restricted in many ways to, to the area of, of Israel, now in the New Testament is exploded throughout the world. But the same, you can go across to some jungle somewhere, find a Christian, and they will smell 
like this. It's like this, yeah, you're, you, this has happened to you. Same spirit, this has happened in your heart, yeah? So there's a commonality about it. Ephesians 2, for the, through him we both, that means Gentiles and Jews, have access, access to the Father by one spirit. By one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, i.e. outside of the kingdom or outside of my people. You are now inside. Immediately we become fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a God element. It's a bit like, as I said, the kind of the perfume is a God element. You can kind of you can smell the God element, that God's work, God's spirits here. In the same way, it's the Holy Spirit is the common factor. He doesn't just produce clones. Each one of us has difference and he expresses that difference in us in different ways but it's the same spirit that's actually doing it. Fourthly, there is the same sanctification. I'm going to explain what that means in a second. <clears throat> but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Sanctification is the ongoing process by which God changes us into his likeness. We have been instantly transformed of heart and made alive in him. But as others quickly find out, <laughs> there's a slight delay <laughs> in terms of, there's a bit of a delay in terms of, yeah, we are, we have his spirit in us, we have been changed. But there are still things that are sort of catching up. They're a little bit kind of slow down the line. Come on, catch up. And we've got bits in our life that are still catching up that we're kind of like kind of running along and, oh, yeah, I need to get in step here. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, sorry, I got way late over there. Yeah, no, come on, come on, come on, catch up. And there's a kind of the sanctification, the work of God, the work of God's Spirit on us is about helping us to actually get our whole, I get it on my mind, kind of so it's thinking about the things of God to get my behaviour, so it's kind of catching up with actually what God's already done in my life. So it's a, there's a kind of catch-up process for all of us. Now, in the church and in terms of unity, that can cause problems, it can cause frictions, it can cause things because there is gaps, there is bits where actually we are not clearly perfect we aren't clearly uh, following God in the way that we should there are things that are still kind of delayed and kind of back in our old self and actually we need to have grace for that but we need to know that actually this is the thing that actually that same Holy Spirit that actually God's doing that work is the same thing that's working so we're saying yeah no no actually 
Just in the same way I'm saying, you know, I, <laughs> you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. So in the same way I'm saying, oh, look at that person, how they kind of like, how could they possibly be kind of doing that, that and that? And then you've got to think, you know, hang on, they're in a process, just like I'm in a process. I'm not there yet. I might be down the line a bit more, but actually God's helped me. God's Spirit's helped me to actually change my life to be more like him. I just need to have grace and it helps me to have grace for that person because that same, we're all on the same journey. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Jerry Bridges says, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us whereby our inner being is progressively changed, freeing us more and more from sinful traits and developing within us over time the virtues of Christ-like character. Fifthly, and finally, one spirit produces in us the same fruit. Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Paul, just a bit higher up in the verse, been saying, yeah, the flesh produces the opposite. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the, to the flesh. Things like impurity and lustful pleasure and idolatry and sorcery and hostility and quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambition and dissensions and divisions and envy and drunkenness, etc., etc., etc. Those things that actually cause division and disunity in the body. So this fruit of the spirit, that actually God produces in us, helps us actually as we, as we lean towards God's spirit in us, helping us to say, no, no, help me show kindness. Help me be more patient. Help me uh, demonstrate self-control. Not the flesh, but actually the spirit in me. So what goes together? Like love and marriage. Horse and carriage. What goes, <laughs> what goes together with one spirit? One body. Yeah, well done. If you find yourself just kind of pouring out some of these negative traits that we've just heard about, selfish ambition, quarreling, etc., 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 then you really need just to ask God, God, come and fill me up more with your spirit because I need those more and more. Finally, the spirit is what essentially distinguishes the believer from the non-believer, says Gordon Fee. The spirit is what especially marks the beginning of Christian life. The spirit above all is what makes a person a child of God. Spirit. Has that happened to you? When I told my story about what had happened in my life, how God had touched my life, is your Christian walks one of that you just feel like I'm trying to kind of follow it? I keep getting it wrong. I'm not sure I've had this kind of spirit encounter, Matthew, in my life. Because you know what? God doesn't 
he, he, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't, he's not saying, look, that's what you need to do. Just get on with it. No, he's saying, I'm here. I'm here to help you every moment of the day. I'm here to birth this in you. Uh, my, my spirit, you can't do this on your own because it actually takes my spirit to do it. My spirit has to birth this in, yours, in, in you, this new spirit in you, this alive spirit. It actually has to come from the spirit of God. It's like fire. You have to bring the fire from God. It can't just happen. You actually you've got to bring it into you to actually light this in your own life. Has that happened for you? Because if it hasn't, God wants to do that. He can even do that today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love and grace in our life. We thank you, God, that you haven't just left us to get on with it, but you have brought your spirit at the very moment. At the very moment I called out to you, you came and you did these things in my life. And 40 plus years later, you are still doing those things in my life. I thank you, God, that your heart and desire is that every single person on planet Earth, this would happen for. That's your plan. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your work in our lives. I thank you, God that you are doing this work of grace. And I pray, Father, for uh, as you've done this, that actually we would have just a really united body, a united body in Kings. We'd be united to other churches as well in this city, united around the world with other brothers and sisters in you. In Jesus' name, amen.